And welcome to today's online service. We hope that you are all doing really well in your bubbles. And to all the dads out there, we want to say Happy Father's Day. Today is the one day in the year where you might just come close to getting a laugh at your dad jokes. But seriously, being a dad is no joke. And we want to honour and thank you dads for your shoulders that have carried us probably until well past that point where it hurts. For your ears that have listened whenever we've wanted to talk. For your hands that have helped us with so many homework assignments or DIY projects and just taught us the value of hard work. For forgiving us for the broken windows, the holes in walls, the dents in cars. And I'm sure it's not just me that's saying this today. And thank you dads for saying no to so many other things so that you could say yes to us. Thank you for your faith in Christ. And while there's no perfect dads out there, for the love that you have shown us. Well, coming up in today's service, we have worship, which you can pause and head over to the playlist on the YouTube channel. We've got a kids talk from one of our young dads, Matt McInnes, and a message from Simon Dodge, which I know that we're all going to be blessed by hearing today. But before we get to that, we want to take a few minutes to just be praying for calling a new senior pastor. Please pray that the person that God has called would hear uh, from him and respond and pray that we would also recognize God's voice and when he says, this is the person that I've called. So take some time to pray now and for worship and then come back and enjoy the rest of the service. morning church. Uh, Noah and I just wanted to share one of his favourite books, Good Good Father, for little ones, um, just to, to celebrate Father's Day and just to kind of break it up a bit. So um, let's, let's begin, shall we? What is a good good father like? Is it here? Are we here? What is a good father like? You know, like a king who is fair and kind. He rules with your very best in mind. Like a warrior who is strong and brave, he protects you when you are afraid. See, the lion's protecting. See that now? Like a teacher who helps you learn and grow, he teaches you what you need to know. Is Uncle Steve a teacher? Does he teach you what you need to know? He does, yeah. Like a doctor, when you have the achoos, he gives you medicine and fixes boo-boos. See, he's got the chicken box and we've got the doctor line. It's really very exciting. He's got stethoscope, yeah. Like a farmer planting seeds, he grows the yummy food you need. See, he's got a rake. You see the rake and the shirt and there's a wee squirrel thingy. It's a big pumpkin. Like a musician whose songs make you wiggle, he loves to see you dance and giggle. It's like me, I do. You dance and you giggle. Mm. Yeah. Oh, there we go, we can see the dancing and the giggling. You can see the back. Yeah. Like a friend who's always near, he cheerfully lends a listening, cheerfully lends a listening ear. See, there's some friends playing with a kite. Like a leader who takes command, he shows you the good things he has planned. Yeah, I oh, should we show them? Yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. Daddy's gonna read it though, otherwise it wouldn't get read. Like a daddy with a tender heart. He forgives you when you need a fresh start. See, there's a, there's a daddy. No, there's a daddy, and there's a wee teddy bear. He's gonna run to the daddy and get a hug. Because he needs a fresh start. Sometimes you need a fresh start, don't you, sausage? And I always give it to you because I love and value you. Oh, like a king, a musician, a friend, a warrior. A good, good father is all these things and more. Yeah, they could see that. No matter what you say or do, a good, good father never stops loving you. Now, now this book is obviously um, paraphrased of the song Good, Good Father, which is about our father in heaven. But I think also today it's important to realise that you know, our dads all have some characteristics like this. You know, our dads always love us. Our dads do amazing things for us. They protect us. And so I think, you know, now's a good time just to reflect on what our dads do and who our dads are. I mean, you know, you give a big hug and say, I love you, Dad. Yeah, just like that sort of Or you can run away like Noah's about to do. But I um, hope you have a great day, Church. And um, we look forward to seeing you level two. Hello, I'm Simon Dodge, and it's my privilege to be able to share a message with you today. We're going to start off with just a little bit of fun, just to get our minds working. So I'm going to ask you to come up with as many words as you can, as many verbs, in one minute that begin with the letter F. F for Freddy. No naughty words. Count them on your fingers. This music is from Bonanza. Like a cowboy show from the 1970s. We used to use it all the time in our kids' program. It's called MSG. The mustard seed game. Those are the days. Oh, you got 15 seconds left. Last few verbs. Beginning with F. And... Stop. How did you go? Did you get more than 11? Because if you got more than 11 words beginning with F, congratulations, you have passed question 7 in the Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test. Which means that your mind is at least partially working. And that's important because God did not create you to be a mindless, unthinking pawn to serve his purposes. Nor did he create you as a side project to entertain himself in the weekend. Instead, God's purpose and desire is to bring you right into the center of his inner circle and share with you his family, his work, and his glory. When that realization really soaks into the center of your head, it's, it's mind-boggling. Now, we have this game. It's called Boggle. And 
it, you probably know it. There's lots of little dice with letters on them, and you shake the thing around, and then you take the top off, and um, you try and see how many words you can come up with in three minutes in that new configuration. Just going to put that down over there now. It's a good little game. And in just the same way, it's good to have our mind boggled from time to time. Um, you know, there's always more than we currently know and understand. There's always more. And from time to time, we need God to kind of reconfigure our minds. Uh, we can reconfigure the way we think and understand things. In Romans chapter 12, Paul tells us, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So let's pray and let's ask God just to boggle our minds a little bit today shall we? Lord, we really want to hear your voice. We pray that you would open our minds today to understand in greater measure who we are in you. And Lord, we really want to be able to um, bring you glory through all the things that we do and what you've called us to. We pray today that you would give us insight and understanding and inspiration. Amen. So today I want to look at the, first of all, the incredible place that God has called us to in him. And then in view of that understanding, I want to talk about work. That is the work that God has prepared for each one of us to do. And I want to share three keys for effective, fruitful work that will bring glory and honor to Jesus on the day he is revealed. Along the way, I want to, sh to, uh, to weave in the incredible revelation that God is going to share his glory with us. Did you know that God likes to share? The more I read the Bible, the more I find myself marveling at God's plans for us. Um, he really does want to bring us right into his inner circle to share in his family, uh, his work, and his glory. So let's look first at who we are in God and allow God just to give our minds a bit of a wee tune-up before we move on to the subject of work. So, first of all, when we accept new life in Jesus, we are born into God's family. God the Father has adopted us as his children. Let's read some verses. John 1, 12-13 Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Wow. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
Romans 8, 14 to 17, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So you see, we are not guests in God's house. We are now God's adopted children. We have all the rights and privileges of children of God. Not only are we now God's children, but Jesus has chosen us as his bride. Revelation 19, let's read that from verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad in him and give him the glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. We are that bride. Listen to this passage in Ephesians about what Jesus has done for us in the intimacy of the relationship we will have with him as his bride. It's Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present him to Present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Isn't that a wonderful picture of our relationship with Jesus? The two will become one flesh. So do you see that both as God's beloved children and as one flesh with Jesus, God has welcomed us right into the center of his affections and in, in his family. These relationships are as close as any relationship could, could possibly be, even in the Godhead. This is who we are in Christ. Now, here is something that I find equally mind-boggling. Not only does God plan for us to share in his family, but God invites us to share in his glory. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
let me read that last sentence again when christ who is your life appears then you also will appear with him in glory the bible speaks of a day when uh, when jesus will be revealed in all of his glory and every eye will see him now when that happens according to uh, what we just read we are actually going to appear with him in glory in first uh, thessalonians paul says uh, this is this will happen when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels and on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at by those who have believed i love that phrase to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at it's going to be such an incredible amazing day i just i can i can hardly imagine it but it really excites me and fills me with just yeah anyway let's look at some more verses second thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 13 but we always ought to thank god for you brothers loved by the lord because from the beginning god chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of the lord jesus christ and in second corinthians chapter 3 and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit now it would be remiss of me not to mention that glory uh, sometimes comes because of suffering paul says in romans uh, 8 from 17 uh, now if we are god's children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, I'm not going to speak in detail about suffering today, except to say that uh, pain, the pain and the privilege of suffering for our faith will one day be a source of very great joy and glory as, as we share together in Christ's glory. So when suffering comes your way, hold fast. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This glory is coming. Okay, just recapping so far. God has brought us into the very center of his family as his children and as one flesh with Jesus. And by virtue of our intimate connection with the godhead we will share in in god's glory we add to that glory when we submit ourselves completely and utterly to god when we cooperate with the work of the holy spirit in our lives and when we uh, suffer uh, if required for our faith in jesus we can also bring glory to God by completing the work that he has prepared for us to do. 
Now, Jesus, in his prayer uh, recorded in John 17, said to his father, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We can do the same. The Holy Spirit is also completing a work in us. And Paul says in Philippians 1, uh, I have brought, uh, what does he say? He says that he is confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So you see, there's a lot of work going on in this new family we find ourselves in. It's like a great big working bee involving the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and you and me. We've all got our sleeves rolled up together and we're doing the same work. And at the end, there's going to be one great big celebration. So let me share with you three keys to making um, your work effective and fruitful. And all of these keys, uh, the words begin with the letter F, funnily enough. And they are, fasten yourself to Jesus, follow the leading of the Spirit, and fulfill every good purpose of yours in every act prompted by your faith. Let's look at those one by one. Fasten yourself to Jesus. We're going to read from John 15 from verse 1. This is a great passage and we'll bring out a few points from it. It's Jesus talking. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean or pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me i am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Right, let's just bring out some points from this. The fruit that we bear will be the result of whose expert gardening skills? Yes, God's, of course. And... Is he able to make you fruitful? Of course. Next point. You have one job. What is it? Yes. Remain in me. Let's just look at that verse. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you see, fruit is actually a consequence of being in Jesus. Jesus doesn't actually say bear fruit. He says, remain in me and then you will bear fruit. It's, it's a natural consequence.
Verse 8, what is it that actually brings God the glory? Is it the fruit? What does it say? This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I would suggest to you that it's actually not the fruit per se that brings God glory. It's that the fruit is the evidence that we are in Jesus. That's what God is interested in. That's what gives him the glory. And so when he sees the fruit, he knows that we are in Jesus and that glorifies him. Because without being in Jesus, we will not bear fruit. But if we are in Jesus, we will bear fruit. And that brings us to that, that point again. We've got one job. What is it? Remain in me. Remain, abide, set up, camp with, and never leave. Consider the scale insect. He buries into the beech trees in the bush of New Zealand. He buries his nose right into the phloem, which is the sugary, sweet honeydew that's flowing down from the tree through the tree and nourishing it. And once he's got his nose in there, well, he just stays there. He doesn't need his legs or his wings anymore, so he gets rid of them. The thing is, there's so much good stuff coming in that he can't contain it. And so he has this little waxy tubule at the back so that the overflow can pass right through. Otherwise, he'd explode. But the good thing about that is that the drip of honeydew that comes out the, that wee waxy tubule becomes food for insects and birds and um, and so on. So you see, the scale insect make his number one priority to feed himself in the source of the blessing. But the overflow from him is that he blesses everyone else in the forest, essentially. What would happen if the scale insect took his nose out of the phloem? Well, basically, he would dry up, and so would the blessing that he is passing on to others. If you stop spending time with Jesus so you can spend more time helping other people, you will also stop bearing fruit and dry up like a withered old branch. So, don't do it. Learn from the scale insect. Feed yourself first. Then you will be able to bless others. So I'll say it one more time. You've got one job. What is it? Remain in me. All the good fruit you will ever bear will flow from your ongoing closeness with Jesus. So the first key was fasten yourself to Jesus. The second F and the second key to making your work effective and fruitful is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is so wonderful. He works in us. He works with us. He works through us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He gives us supernatural gifts to help us. He prays on our behalf. Um, he leads us. Romans 8.14 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God and daughters of God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the consequences of His work in our life, 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified this, excuse me, the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I like that last verse. Now, when I was in a student in Dunedin, we, uh, all the hostels and um, university faculties used to have balls, uh, you know, like dancing. And our church uh, also had a ball. So leading up to this, the St. Matt's church ball, we would have ballroom dance lessons, which were so much fun. We would learn the basics of, uh, you know, the waltz and the foxtrots and the cha-cha and things like that. And then, and then we were into it, and it was fun. Now, the secret to dancing well, given that I'm an expert on this, not, <laughs> but the secret is that in general, one partner leads, usually the male, and the other responds. And as they do so, it looks like the two are moving as one, uh, like they both already know exactly what they're going to do next. But in reality, one is leading the other. One is leading and the other is responding. That's a beautiful illustration of our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit leads and we respond so that together we move as one. You like that? I like that one. So how does the Spirit lead us? You know, it's, it's, it's often just a little prompt, a thought that comes into your head that you should do something. Uh, sometimes the Spirit will put something on your heart, a desire to do something. Maybe he'll give you a, a, a word that you feel you need to encourage somebody with. Um, sometimes as you're reading your Bible, he'll, you'll, you'll get a, um, some direction about what you're, what you're needing to do in your life. Uh, all of these ways and many more are ways that the Holy Spirit can can lead us. You know, the work that God has for us to do can be as big as a life calling and as small as a little nudge. It can be a career or simply a small act of kindness. With God, nothing is too big and nothing is too small. So, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What it really comes down to is obedience. Do you know what God's love language is? Yeah, it's obedience. So if you want your work to be effective and fruitful, you need to fasten yourself to Jesus and you need to follow the leading of the Spirit. Finally, you need to fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, starting from verse 11. I'm, I'm reading from the old NIV, the 1984 version, which is the one that I had, I've been reading since I was a teenager. might be a little bit different from the, the more recent version, but I like this version. Here we go. With this in mind, we pray constantly for you, 
that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just read verse 11 again. And that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Now, hang on a minute. This sounds almost the exact opposite of the previous key. Instead of us waiting for the Holy Spirit to initiate something so that we can follow, it's God empowering the idea that we came up with. How can this be true? Are we actually allowed to think? Are we permitted to have desires well up within us and, and then actually pursue them? Would God really by his power fulfill every good purpose of mine and every act prompted by my faith? So it would seem. Let's read some more verses. I love this one from Isaiah 32 verse 8. But the noble man makes noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. Have you got any noble plans brewing? Here's an interesting passage from the Old Testament. Now, now the Holy Spirit comes to every one of us, but in the Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit would just come to a person uh, and be upon them for a particular purpose or role that they had. And so this is um, Samuel speaking to King Saul at the beginning of his um, kingship. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. And as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high places with lyres, tambourines, flutes and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. And you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. I'll read that last verse again. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Very interesting, isn't it? It's a little bit like with our children, you know, when they're little, we, we tell them what to do. But as they grow in maturity, you know, we give them increasing freedom and responsibility to be able to make their own plans and, um, and carry them out. Um, I think God's the same. But you might say, what if my idea was just my idea and isn't what God wants? There's another story in the Old Testament about uh, King David, you know, he had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Um, he was super keen on the idea. And God, God came to him and basically said, that's a great idea, David, but you're not the one to do it. Your son is the one to do it. And so he basically gave David a course correction. And instead of building the temple, David, over his life, collected up all kinds of building materials ready for his son Solomon to be able to build the temple. 
you want God to direct the course of your life, you actually have to be moving. You can't steer a stationary bike. Start pedaling. And if your good idea is actually a bit off, God is quite able to redirect your course. The truth is that in God there is a wonderful interplay between good ideas and God ideas. You can have an idea, and when you action it, you discover that someone else has been praying for exactly that to happen. Many years ago, I was doing children's ministry, and someone in the church came up with this idea. They thought, I'd like to buy uh, Simon and the, and the, the children's ministry team a, a computer for the stuff they're doing. So he sold it up to me and said, I'm going to buy you a computer. Um, choose one that you like and make sure it's a good one. So, so I did. I bought a good one. <laughs> and, you know, that man was just acting on an idea that came into his head. Little did he know that 10 days before, as I was climbing into bed one night, I said, Lord, can we have an Apple computer for MSG? So you see, that man's idea was actually a direct answer to my prayer. Now, was it a good idea or was it a God idea? Clearly, God was involved. But the man didn't know that. He simply acted on the idea the the prompting, the, uh, the desire that he had to do this good thing. And I guess the lesson from that is, don't wait for God to write in the clouds what he wants you to do. If an idea comes into your head and it seems good to you, then pursue it and God will direct your path. Here's the way I see it. From the creation of the world, God placed in us the capacity to dream, to imagine, to plan, to create, to initiate, to follow through with and to complete good works that will bring glory to him. We are not mindless pawns. God made us in his image and it actually delights him when we use the faculties that he has given us. Here's a wee illustration. No doubt you will agree that we were created by God. But actually, he only really made the first two of us. And then he allowed us to help him make all the rest by conceiving them, giving birth to them, and raising them up to their full potential. In fact, the potential for every human being who would ever live was in Adam and Eve. Quite an amazing thought, really, isn't it? But by sharing with us his work of creation, God was allowing us also to share in the, the joy of bringing new life into being. It's exactly the same with every idea, every good idea that you have, or, or, or every little nudge that you get, every prompting to do something good. Um, all that we come up with together, you know, the potential and the capacity to be able to dream up that idea and carry it out ultimately came from God. But he gives us the opportunity to help by conceiving of the idea, giving birth to it, 
and raising it up to its full potential. And in doing so, God is allowing us effectively to share in the joy and in the glory of seeing that idea come to fruition. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you see, those good works are in us, just waiting to be conceived. And as they are conceived, the Holy Spirit becomes sort of like our midwife, helping us, encouraging us, and providing the expert assistance that only God can offer, but still allowing us to carry the baby. And, and not just carry the baby, but give birth to it and then look after it uh, after it's born. You know, it's God's work. But we have the privilege of helping. Well, all in a, all in a rush, I seem to have come to the end of my message. And um, what I really hope that you'll take away from this is that we have an incredible place in God's plans. We are in the middle of them. And God loves to share with us his work. And as we work together, then we are also going to share in the glory that comes from the consequences of that work. So I would say to you, seize the day. Make your life count. Make every desire of your heart to do good and to, to honor God. Um, make it happen. Lift, lift those things to God, and if you feel prompted, then just step out and do it. Remember those three F's that will help to ensure that you're effective and fruitful. Fasten yourself to Jesus. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and fulfill every good purpose of yours, and every act prompted by your faith. And together, together we will bring together all our righteous acts, on that day when Jesus comes, and it is going to be so glorious and so wonderful. Let's set our eyes on that future, and let's do all we can as we walk with God. So, may God be with you as you fasten yourself to Jesus, and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. May God also, by his power, fulfill every good purpose of yours, and every act prompted by your faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, in you and him. Amen. Thank you for joining us in our online service today. We really look forward to being able to gather together again shortly. In the meantime, we encourage you to keep in contact with each other. And if you need help or want to chat, then you can email church office or elders or get in contact with your connect leaders. But for now, have a really great week.